0: I'm just pretending everything's great. No. <laughs> it's an act. <laughs> and Janie, when we got here, Janie asked me how, how I was doing. I said, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I wanted to uh, start in Leviticus 23 and, and read in 26. Leviticus Leviticus 23, chapter 23, and verse 26. And I want to read this from the contemporary English version because of the choices of words that it uses here. I think it's, uh, I like how it focuses on forgiveness. So I'm reading from a little bit different translation than you'll be reading from, but you can listen to this. It says, The Lord God said to Moses, The tenth day of the seventh month is the great day of Forgiveness. It is a solemn day of worship. Everyone must go without eating to show sorrow for their sins. Sacrifices must be burned. No one is to work on that day. It is the great day of forgiveness, when sacrifices will be offered to me, so that I will forgive your sins. I will destroy anyone who refuses to go without eating. None of my people are ever to do any work on that day, not now or in the future. And I will wipe out those who do. This is a time of complete rest, just like the Sabbath, and everyone must go without eating from evening of the ninth to the evening of the tenth. Now I like in that verse how it focuses on forgiveness. Now also, I just want to say this, that where it talks about, you know, fasting, just this day, just, just, just today, I had uh, an, a comment on one of my videos on atonement. They said that word. Uh, afflict does not mean fast. And they went into this long espl- explanation how that that's a Jewish tradition and we don't have to do this and all this. And I tell you, it, people people make up their own stuff. I mean, it, it's hard just to look at the Bible and say, okay, this is what it says and do it. But I do want to say this about fasting. You know, I mentioned that you need to read your body. You need to know if you can go. I mean, y- there are circumstances like nursing mothers uh, children our daughter we let you know we just said well this is what the Bible says and we left it up to her whether she would you know and then one time she uh, when we finally went out to eat she got sick and uh, she got sick and we went to K&W and she has never been back to K&W since then uh, <laughs> the smell of food as we walked in just, ugh, it just all day fat but anyway you know your blood sugar Levels. I know one time Sandy had an episode here where he had to have some nourishment there because, so read your body, you need medication. God understands these things. You know, I have taken water because I had a splitting headache and I needed to take some aspirin to get rid of this headache. I've done that on Atonement. You know, we don't worship a God that just says, I'm going to kill you, squash you if, if you do this, have to do this. And so it, it, he's a merciful, compassionate God. He understands your body and what you have to do so uh don't be too hard on yourself in this area um okay atonement what i want to talk about is atonement what i'll focus on first what i want to focus on first is our salvation is dependent on the work of jesus christ often i think in god's church we can get into a performance mode because we do things that are right, and we know they're right, and we know what the Bible says, and so we're doing those things, and we can start ticking these things off, and, and we can get into a performance mode and, and sort of almost as if, okay, God, I deserve this. I deserve salvation. I deserve your grace. Atonement is about being reconciled to God. It's about being at one with God. When all is said and done, When we come to the end, end of our life, how can I, how can we be made right with God? What's the bottom line? That's what we're going to look at. You know, what's the bottom line? Now, I was thinking about the difference between Passover and Atonement. And I think Passover is about forgiveness of sin. It is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins. We can be forgiven. Atonement is more about the finished work of Jesus Christ, the work of the priesthood as our high priest, a daily high priest. That's more about what atonement is about. So, I want to look at a verse in the New Testament, Luke 18 and verse 10, familiar to us all. Luke 18 and verse 10. You know, whatever that thing was that was attacking Janie as she was playing the keyboard is now up here. (laughs) (laughs) Flying across. (laughs) I don't know. He's been resurrected, I think. (laughs) It's another one. (laughs) He's hungry. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be a base, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. You know, the Pharisee's attitude was, look, I got my act together. Uh, I'm living the life. I'm an overcomer. Uh, maybe made, makes, well I think we all do this from time to time, make distinction between people. you know I'm not like this, and I know a lot of people that are like that. You can't help it if I mean, you know if, if you're not doing something, I mean, I'm not committing adultery, okay I know that. But if I know someone that is, I'm not, I'm not like that person. So we can make those those distinctions, but uh, it is the pride that dwells up that is the dangerous part. I am not like him. I am righteous. He's a dirty, rotten sinner. Okay. Um, I got, okay, religious activity, all that. And if I do these things, all these things, I get it all together, I can be saved. I, I deserve God's grace. But then the publican, we know the, the publican goes to his house justified in the eyes of God. And if you ask, what did the publican do? Well, what he did was he had the spirit of repentance. That's what he had. I mean, that, that if you look at, okay, what did the publican do? He had a spirit of repentance. You know, Tim made this prayer for our nation. And I thought, I, while he was saying it, I thought, you know, it's not complicated. It's not a list of, now we may make it a list, you know, you've got to keep the Sabbath, you gotta keep that. But if, if this nation could come to a spirit of repentance, God, we're sorry. For all of it what we've done, we could see change in that area. God would begin to to bless people and and change hearts and lead them into truth. Yes. Now if you look at the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament and and you ask, okay, what did the people have to do on this day? The answer is basically nothing. They observe. They sit there. The high priest did everything for them. The, the whole ceremony, the animals that had to be killed, the washing, the sprinkling of blood, the sanctifying of vessels and altar and tabernacle, and it was all done by the priests and you, you, you sit there and you, you watched all this. The people did though have to come before God with a repentant spirit, spirit of repentance that's what the, that's what the people did you know they didn't do anything, you know. They they fasting. Well, that's not eating. That's not doing anything, you know. <laughs> but it represents humility, humbling yourself, and it represents spirit of repentance when we do this. You know, the ten days from trumpets to atonement uh, is called, you know, the days of a repentance uh, with, with the Jews, and so we lead up to this this day. And I come back to the publican's attitude. He goes to his house justified in the eyes of God. But if you ask, what did he do? Well, he had the spirit of repentance. Spirit of repentance. He, re- he repented. Now, being forgiven of your sins, you all know this, does not take away sin's desire. You ever notice that? You know, yeah. I thought it would when I was baptized. Yeah, I really did. I was hoping for that anyway. <laughs> Lord, I hope this stuff is behind me. And so I was forgiven when I went down on the waters of baptism. and I, I, But it, I found out shortly after it that, it that that forgiveness did not take away sin's desires. And I still had those desires that often developed behavior patterns that developed over 20 or 30 years. Still had them. You know, sin has a life all of, its, all of its own. It has its own power, don't you know? It really does. It has its own power. In Romans 5 and verse 10, it tells us about the salvation of God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His Life. What's that talking about? It's talking about the role of the high priest. It's talking about the atonement of Christ Jesus. And again, I, I hearken back to when, when I was baptized, I thought I would never sin again. I, I wanted it to be like on a riverbank, and all that filthy past of mine was washing downstream, and I was, and all of it was out of mind and out of sight. But it says in forgiveness you were reconciled made right forgiven that sort of harkens to the passover but you're going to be saved by his life atonement the role of the high priest the fact that we have a daily high priest who intercedes for us and it concludes in romans 11 verse 5 and not only so but we also joy in god through our lord jesus christ by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement. Now, I think in the New Testament, the Christians begin to see a new significance to the holy days. You know, it's, the, it's the growth concept. You know, it's it's like you listen to a CD and you listen to it again. And you think, well, I listened to that sermon a year later and I got more out of it. Again. I got more out of it. And and uh, I heard a sermon and I, and you know the the and I think that as they look back. You know, the Old Testament with the Holy Days, and then they begin to get more understanding. In the book of Hebrews, there is a commentary on the temple ceremony of the Day of Atonement. Let's turn to Hebrews 9 and verse 24. Because it begins to lay out the atonement that we have through Christ Jesus. And it sort of compares it to the old, uh, what you read about in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement. For Christ, that's Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, hearkening back to the Old Testament, which are the figures of the truth, but an into heaven itself. Christ has gone into heaven now to appear in the presence of God for us on our behalf. When we mess up, when we sin. Okay, we're talking about the role of the high priest on the Day of Atonement. You know, they said that, I've heard this, that they would, they would tie a rope around the waist of the high priest as he went in there in case some uncleanliness or, or something he, hit, he didn't do quite right. In case he was killed, they could, because you couldn't go in there and drag him out yourself. You also, you had, so they would, could pull him out. <laughs> and uh, you remember Aaron's two sons that offered strange fire on the altar? I mean, they were immediately killed. So we're talking about a lot of power here. But continue on in Hebrews 9 and verse 25 nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Uh, for then must he had offer, uh, have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this is the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That that little expression. Okay, the second time without sin unto salvation. For those who are in the body of Christ, when Christ returns, what we get is the we don't we're not we don't enter into judgment at the, like the rest of the world will. We enter into the gift of salvation when Christ returns. That's what that's what we get when christ returns and you know there's nothing at that moment when christ returns and you're resurrected changed from flesh to spirit born into the family of god you know there's nothing you really do to receive that you don't list all your good works lord this is what i've done no wait a minute lord let me show you all my things i've done you know before we rec- you know it's, it's, look at my righteousness no it's not like that now i want to look at what some people struggle with the the unpardonable sin in Hebrews uh, 10 and verse 26 says something here that I want to go over it says for if we sin willfully that's Hebrew 10 and verse 26 if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth there remains no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for the looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary you know people struggle with this have i committed the unpardonable sin well listen again I, I hearken back on this day of atonement there was nothing they had to do but to come before god with the spirit of repentance in a repentant attitude any sin that can be repented of can be forgiven is the bottom line When we talk about, well, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Any sin that you can repent of can be forgiven. So there's your answer when people struggle with that area. The answer is no. If you can repent, you can be forgiven. Okay. But you have to take that first step. Repentance. There is no need to be afraid of judgment if you come to God in repentance. And again, I come back to the publican. Standing afar off. would not so much as lift up his eyes into heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's take a look at Hebrews 10 and verse 19 and read some scriptures here. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Having therefore, and this is encouragement here, as we talk about atonement and our shortcomings throughout the year. Having therefore boldness, brethren, brethren, boldness, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with and from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now, another point I want to make here is that, you know, having a spirit of repentance. When you repent, repent. Does not mean that you will never make another mistake, does it? No, it don't. You know, when you think about, okay, why did they, why to come back to the next atonement year, and confess their sins again why did they have to do that because because just because you repent doesn't mean that you're not going to make another mistake is the reason so scripture says by a living high priest we are saved Hebrews 4 and verse 14 take a look at that Hebrews 4 and verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven into the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. You know, that's an encouraging scripture. I mean, it, it helps me to know that. I mean, I mean sometimes I, I, get, I have claustrophobic feelings when I, you know, certain things maybe, and I, I always I feel like I'm trapped. And I can't get out of this predicament that i'm in, and it, it's good to know that Christ was tempted in all areas like we are without he know he understands that because here's a, here's a man who allowed himself to be taken to be crucified i mean me, I would have freaked out I, I, that would have been too much control over me, and I would have just blew my gasket and that claustrophobic feeling of, of people trying to control me and uh but, you know, he was tempted in all areas without sin. So we understand. No, I, I don't care how silly it may seem, what you're struggling with, what's your weakness, what you struggle with, your fears. You know, you, you might tell me your fears and I might would say, well, that's silly. But it's not silly. Christ understands what you're going through. We have a high priest that can be... That was tempted in all areas are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our sins are covered. I know I'm turning to a lot of scriptures. But uh, Romans 4 and verse 7. I, I really like these two verses. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That's a powerful concept. God will not impute sin. That's that's, that's encouraging to know. That's encouraging to know. Our brother. Jesus Christ forgives us. Our sins are covered and the door of the kingdom is standing open. So I just wanted to go through that and, and, and touch on how that often we get into our performance mode and understand that when it's all said and done, this is how we're going to receive eternal life by the work of our high priest, Christ Jesus. Now, I want to go a little bit further. Uh, with Atonement. I want to talk about Ansel's favorite subject here, about the, the, the two goats. That, uh, I was thinking that... Uh, <laughs> I was getting this picture. Picture this. The Feast of Trumpets. Now, Feast of Trumpets. If you think about it, it's sort of chaotic. We all want Christ to return, do we not? But we know what's got to happen before He returns. You know, It's a lot of, uh, you know, woe unto them that desire the day of the Lord. Bad things have to happen before Christ returns. And and that's sort of negative to think about that. But then if you jump ahead to the Feast of Tabernacles, you've got the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth for a thousand years. You've got a time of peace, prosperity, joy, when the whole world will celebrate before God. A world at peace for a thousand years. And and, and in between those two, uh, trumpets and tabernacles, what what happens in between those two is the Day of Atonement. Okay, the Day of Atonement. Now let's, let's look at some verses here. Leviticus 16 and verse 8. Something critical that has to happen here. Leviticus 16 and verse 8. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. That's Leviticus 16 and verse 8. <clears throat> and Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness now the one goat you know the lord's goat that's pretty clear is it not what goat is it well it's got a name that name sort of identifies it's the lord's goat okay and it's a sin offering it's killed so there's no misunderstanding that but the other goat a zazel Goat, and so with the Lord's goat, the sin offering, he has to be killed, and by his life, as the high priest, we shall be saved. Okay, we got that. All right, but this other goat, Azazel. You know, some older commentaries will they refer to his name as used as an evil demon? Is the word Azazel named for an unclean, ungodlike power? Uh, some commentaries refer to him as as Satan. This Azazel goat. Now. More your modern-day uh, commentaries will sort of—they'll put the emphasis on both these goats represent Christ's work. And regardless of whatever your opinion is, you know, my, my point is I, I don't—I don't agree with that. Let's let's take a look at Leviticus 16, verse 21. What happens to this goat? Now I'll tell you why I don't believe that. I'll tell you why I believe it represents Satan. Uh, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. We're in Leviticus 16, verse 21. And confess over him all the iniquity of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquity into a land not inhabited and shall let go the goat into the wilderness. Now notice, this goat is not killed. It's not a sin offering, right? No. No. And it looks to me like the blame is placed on this goat for the iniquity of the people. Okay? Now, I'm not saying, you know, your devil made me do it. I, mean, I don't want to go that far. But we do have a partner in crime when it comes to our sins. We really do. You know, First John, you don't have to turn there. First John 3 and verse 8 says, He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose... The Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Satan is what? He's the father of sin. I mean, he's the instigator of sin. And, you know, from the get-go, you you read, here's this being. You know, you read about the garden. Who was there? Satan and the devil. the him. From Genesis to Revelation, go to the end of the book. You know, here's this diabolical being screwing up things. For a better word. Um, I've been reading the gospel, starting the gospel with Matthew. And I was amazed at just how this jumped off the page. Reading Jesus, wanting to know more about Christ, my Savior. and, And as I begin to read, the first story that I come up with is that Herod goes out and kills all the baby boys two years and under in order to try to kill the Christ child. You know, you think, okay, I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to follow Jesus. And yet you have, to, you have to realize, I mean, this is serious business here. Here's this being always bent on, you know, doing evil and tried to destroy the Christ child from the beginning. So... Um, in the holy days what is referred to as the topology of the holy days which is like a tapestry it's like a picture of how each holy day fits together you know you begin the passover season uh, the, the holy day begins with the passover season and then you go into unleavened bread pentecost trumpets atonement uh, feast of tabernacles uh, last great day but there's they all tie there's there's a beautiful picture that is played out in the topology of the holy days now if here's the reason i think you know i mentioned some commentaries try to say that those two goats both represent christ if that is true then that means that in the holy day season it it was a great oversight that there is nothing in there in the holy days about this being called satan the devil if, if both those goats represent christ and that's an oversight to me i don't think god would overlook that that this being that you read about from genesis to revelation I think this goat is identified. I think Satan is identified. He is the Azazel goat that uh, is going to ultimately be dealt with and destroyed. So we have the Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Tabernacles, and Atonement in between. And let's take a look at what happens on Atonement. Revelation 20 and verse 1. Revelation 20 and verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Man, what will the world be like without Satan the devil? You ever thought about that? What will it be like? I mean, you talk about a time just that in and of itself when Christ returns, and after atonement, And you have the kingdom set up. That's something to celebrate right there. 1,000 years without this diabolical being influencing mankind in any form or fashion. That's something. I mean, that's going to be something to rejoice over. What will 1,000 years be like? The world after Satan's removal. Well, I want to just touch on it with one more scripture and then I'll close out. Peter talks about the world after Satan's removal, and it's an interesting scripture here. Acts three and verse nineteen. This scripture has dual meaning now, but it's also referring to then, when the kingdom is set up. Acts three and verse nineteen. There's a command that we need to heed to. Our nation needs to heed to right right now. And it's the message of the gospel. Repent ye, therefore. And be converted that your sins may be blotted out, when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto, unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things. And that time of restitution is referring to the return of Christ, atonement. And the kingdom of God, the Feast of Tabernacles, the kingdom of God being set up. That time of restitution. And during that time, the message will be, repent. Be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. And I think, you know, in today's world, we have an enemy. And the message is, repent. Be converted. But we have a diabolical influence in the world. And... People sort of say, "Well, repent. Repent of what? What is sin? Uh, the laws? I thought the law has been abolished. Been nailed to the cross. Been fulfilled. Been done away with. Uh, Jesus plus you know, grace plus nothing. Just raise, just bow your head, raise your hand, bite Jesus into your heart." So the message of repentance doesn't really always get out there. I've uh, often wondered about, uh, like a Billy Graham campaign, where it's, uh, they have a heart pulling message and uh, beautiful music. And then people they had the altar call. And of course the when the music starts to play, the shields go down first. The shields work for the Billy Graham campaign and they they're the counselors, but they, they get up and go first because nobody wants to be sitting there and you know, looking at Are you gonna get up? You know I don't want to be the first to get up. And so the Shields help everybody move because they're the ones that, that go down in in front first. And and uh, but They're led to a point and then they're told, choose the church of your choice. As if all churches are absolutely correct. And they're sort of left hanging, that's what I'm saying. They're sort of left hanging. Are they told how to receive the Spirit of God? Are they taught that? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, this time is something to look forward to. And what I want to say is that, you know, I mean, thank God for his holy day season. I mean, they they are wonderful. They are beautiful. And they lay out a picture of what God is doing today through mankind. They're all about Jesus Christ. And they are beautiful. And God has a plan for people. He has a plan for people to be at one with God.